I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So, can your dog cost you your gun rights? Uh, you better believe it. You better be careful and understand some of these uh, crazy weird things that I constantly encounter practicing gun law in the DPRNJ. And that's the Democratic People's Republic of New Jersey, of course. And I want to tell you about some things you need to be aware of. And, of course, we have the great gun owner fuck-up of the week at the end of the show, so you can learn on the cheap from others' mistakes and hopefully not repeat them. Now, one of the things that I've come into contact, not more than once, believe it or not, is the impact of having an emotional support animal, which is normally an emotional support dog. But of course it could be other animals I think they can certify. I heard someone tried to bring their emotional support horse on a plane, but that didn't go well. And I guess there is the classic emotional support alligator, but that's not really what I'm dealing with. Uh, usually they're emotional support dogs. And I'm sure there are people for which emotional support animals um, work really well. They're very important. They seem to be effective. They seem to help greatly with a lot of folks that have various conditions, you know, whether it's PTSD or anxiety or whatever. And I, I get all that. Hey, I'm, I, I have a dog. I love my dog. I don't have an emotional support dog, but I get a lot of joy and love out of my dog. As a matter of fact, I have an American pit bull terrier, if anyone's interested, a pure breed, a brindle. Oh, he's just the best. And um, his name is Zeus. We love Zeus. Zeus is a great name for a pit bull terrier. Except uh, we, I did discover that if you're outside calling for him, your neighbors may be why you're yelling for Jesus in Spanish, you know, by saying, hey, Zeus, hey, Zeus, right? They may think you're a little crazy, but uh, it works out. And, uh, you know, I love dogs, love my cat, I get it. But the problem is, if you get an emotional support animal, an official registered emotional support animal, then in order to get that official registration, in order to have it uh, to be a medical-approved type animal, then you're going to have to have a mental health professional um, give you a certification. Now, out there, there's a number of folks that like to get an emotional support animal registered and all because there are certain protections that one can have under the uh, American with Disabilities Act. And to some degree, uh, it is possible for some folks to have an emotional support animal and be able to have an animal, say, in an apartment where they might not otherwise be allowed to have an animal because of the ADA regulations and such. Look, I'm not here to discuss the pros, cons, or legal ins and outs of that being effective or not. Uh, 
But I know it's out there, and I know a number of people uh, think about it. And the problem is, if you get that certification from a mental health professional, and it's a doctor or a psychiatrist, or it's emotional support for other psychiatric conditions, then what happens is you now in New Jersey end up having to deal with that infamous question about having to ever be treated or observed for any mental condition. And emotional support animal ends up making that a yes. And if that's a yes, now in New Jersey, that's going to be something that they're going to weigh in whether or not you're going to get your firearms ID card, your pistol purchase permit, your carry permit, etc. And in order to overcome that, you're then going to need another doctor's letter, report, or other medical proof that you're not suffering from that particular disease or disability for which you have that emotional support animal for in such a way that would make it unsafe for you to handle firearms. And now you've created another hurdle for your exercise of your Second Amendment rights. Now, some people may absolutely need that emotional support animal, and if you need it, you need it. And if it's a hurdle, then it's a hurdle, and you have to overcome it the way I said. But if it's something that you maybe could do without, safely, without a problem, then maybe you should consider its impact. Because in New Jersey, not only is it going to become something that they can then make you out to somehow be a danger to yourself or others, public health, safety, welfare, et cetera, or pry further into mental health issues. And, of course, remember, the name of the game in New Jersey is try to disenfranchise as many people as they can of their Second Amendment rights, steal guns from anyone they can take guns from, and in the general application of the law, be as harsh and unforgiving as possible, and turn law-abiding citizens into criminals. So you really don't want to give them any toe uh, in the you know in the door there to doing that to you and creating problems that may in fact be unnecessary and created by yourself so this is something uh, to consider additionally by the way having a dog can cost you your gun rights if your dog is a bad dog and, in fact, um, injures a person by biting them, particularly if it's happened more than once. If you've owned dogs that behave badly, then the state can claim, based on the police reports that are in the file about your dog bite incidents, that you are not a good dog owner, that you don't care and train your animal, that you're irresponsible in having a dog that causes injury to others, and therefore not being responsible for your pet, you're not responsible to have a gun. And then utilize that to try to bar you from your exercise of your Second Amendment rights. So we see these things come up. It creates fact patterns that 
go as far as you can imagine on various incidents with owners of pets causing problems. So you want to be very careful in your responsible pet ownership. You want to be careful when you go into areas where you're going to make certain uh, findings about your mental health. And this extends, of course, beyond dogs. Unfortunately, New Jersey's mental health law in the gun laws really does a disservice to individuals that could use some mental health help. Because of creating this problem and this bar, now it creates a discouraging factor for those who might really need and want a uh, emotional support animal or may need just general you know, mental health help, want to see a psychiatrist, talk about some problems, etc. But those who know, know that if you do that, now you've opened yourself up to a problem on exercising your Second Amendment rights in Jersey. So it creates a deterrence in many to doing that. And then what happens is those people that could actually use the help, they get worse until there's finally a major problem. And the same with New Jersey when it comes to voluntary commitments. Somebody who voluntarily commits themselves This is not just seeing a a psychiatrist or psychologist, but going that voluntary commitment. Well, now in New Jersey, that's a per se disqualifier. You're the equivalent in New Jersey when it comes to getting a license for a gun of being a convicted felon because you went and got a voluntary commitment to get help. And then the only way to relieve yourself of that is by getting a mental health expungement which is a costly legal procedure. I mean, we do them in our office, and the reason they're costly is because it takes all this legal time of actually having to litigate it to get the expungement. And we do it, and we're happy to help folks to do it. But legal time is legal time, and look what happens, only because you wanted to get some help. So New Jersey treats mental health worse than a crime. It actually makes it so that trying to get your rights restored when you've had a mental health issue is even more difficult than getting a criminal expungement. It's three times as difficult, at least, to get a mental health expungement than to getting a criminal expungement. So this whole area really needs to be examined because it's having the opposite effect, the opposite impact, at least in terms of if someone is genuinely caring about mental health, as opposed to just wanting to put it forward, an anti-gun agenda, where they try to come up with every conceivable way to create disqualifiers to disenfranchise as many people as they can in broad strokes, which is, of course, their actual game and what they really want to do. So, you know, we don't really think these laws are sincere. Uh, I just can't, after over 35 years of dealing with this idiotic garbage of what Jersey places on our rights, 
to think that this is actually well-intentioned. And if it is well-intentioned, well, boy, does it ever meet the famous quote about what the road is paved with, you know, good intentions, you know, that road to hell. And Jersey Shore illustrates that if that is actually what is going on, quote, good intentions. But I'm very skeptical that it's good intentions when you look at the uh, viciousness that they go after us, their hatred of gun owners in the Second Amendment, their absolute uh, bigotry, bigotry to individuals that want to be a gun owner, protect themselves, not be victims. So this all wraps around that. So as gun owners, as individuals in New Jersey who want to protect our Second Amendment rights, you have to be aware of the games they play and the potential downsides when you make these choices. And that's why I'm here. That's what I do. So keep that in mind when you need to make these things uh choices in your life and have to have these considerations you're not going to find anybody else warning you about emotional support animals and guns other than on gun lawyer believe me but we get those cases so be careful now you know i've gotten a lot of really great letters great questions great things sent to me that i really love from uh, the you know Ask Evan, and some of them that I want to uh, share with you today. Uh, here's a here's one, and this is from. Uh, let me find the one I want to start with here. Give me one second. This one is from Brad. Brad says, "Good morning, Evan. My understanding is that the Supreme Court." should be using Bruin case, the Bruin case, to determine if states' 2A laws are legitimate, justifiable, and can become or remain a law. If this is the case, why is the Supreme Court not hearing and totally striking down all proposed and current so-called assault rifle and magazine bans like we have in New Jersey? In fact, I was very surprised and disappointed that the Supreme Court recently chose to not even hear these cases, claiming they were somehow legitimate proposals or legitimate laws. What is your opinion on the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court is going with these laws in New Jersey? Do we have hope they will be overridden anytime soon? Well, yes, we do. And um, Brad, I'm glad you're writing me because you've been somewhat misinformed. You see, Brad, the Bruin case is having amazing effect on many, many gun cases throughout the land. Remember, the emergence of our Second Amendment rights and that amendment being given teeth and power and effect and a test by the Supreme Court to test these laws is relatively new in the area of law. We finally got, after getting the trifecta, you know, the Heller case, which found the Second Amendment is an individual right, the Bruin case, which applied it to the states, I mean the uh, McDonald case, which applied it to the states, and then the Bruin case, which applied it to outside the home as well as inside the home. And the Bruin case, with the great Justice Thomas, established the test for the various laws 
as to whether they meet constitutional muster, whether they qualify. And that test is a form of strict scrutiny. We call it text history and tradition. And it is a burden placed where the government has to show that these laws meet that test. And it's a very powerful tool. It's a hammer to smash the gun laws. And as we speak, these challenges are taking place and they have to make their way through the lower courts to get to the higher court. And already we see the Supreme Court has accepted the bump stock case, the, the Rahami case. These are all Second Amendment and related cases. And cases are still bubbling up to the court. And when you talk about New Jersey, well, the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, as we speak, is in federal court litigating the very laws you asked about the assault firearm law, and the large capacity magazine law, those are being vigorously fought right now in federal court. And we should be seeing more action and progress very shortly on those very challenges. And this is why you need to be a member of the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. It's anjrpc.org. They're the group in court fighting and litigating to knock these laws out that have burdened us in New Jersey, that have taken rights away, that are God-given constitutional rights. And it is the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs that's there doing that now. You need to be a part of that. The association also has a full-time paid lobbyist in Trenton, keeping a watchful eye on over the bills that are being proposed, often ones that we discuss here, and we're able to send out alerts. And the association does that with their email blasts. And uh, they are vigilant and has made a difference. New Jersey's the toughest state in the country when it comes to gun laws and having to fight these outrages that they place upon us. So you want to be a member of the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs? Be a part of the solution. Go to their website at anjrpc.org and make sure that you're a member. And when I come back, I've got some really great questions and our GoFu. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. 
You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Gun Lawyer. This is Evan Knappen. And if you don't know me, I've been practicing gun law in New Jersey for over 35 years. And I wrote that big orange book called New Jersey Gun Law. It is the Bible of New Jersey gun law. It's over 500 pages. It is 120 topics, all in question-answer format, made so that Anybody can at least attempt to understand New Jersey gun laws and get a foundation in their uh, bizarre matrix that uh, makes it difficult otherwise to try to get a grip on it. I've tried to simplify that. I wrote this so folks could protect themselves, but it's a book used by lawyers, judges, police, and most importantly, gun owners throughout the state. And you need to have a copy. If you don't have a copy, make sure you get one. You can go to evannappen.com and get a copy. You'll have it within days shipped to you. You will love this book. It is uh, the source. And the coolest thing about my newest 25th anniversary edition is that it has a QR code right on the front that you scan and you get free Updates, email alerts from me of law changes, cases, decisions, attorney general opinions, anything. I let you know, and that gives you free access to the archive, the subscriber database. You can get to go in there, download the updates, look at old stuff, make sure you're current. So that is all a free resource that comes to you as the book owner. So uh, make sure you get a book and make sure you... Get on that database so you can stay on top of it and have your own copy of New Jersey Gun Law. And as I've warned you, one of the go-foos with my book is lending it to anybody because everyone says they never get it back if you lend it. So don't do that, go-foo. Keep your book. Buy yourself, buy your friend his own book or tell them to buy it. But anyway, check it out and you'll be glad you did. So... I have a question here, and this one, let me get this one here, which is really interesting because lots of times I wonder how folks uh, end up getting a lot of this, well, misinformation, frankly. And I'm glad they write me with these letters because I get to clear it up, and that makes me happy. So here's a letter from Jim. Jim says, hi, Evan. Thanks for all your ongoing efforts for New Jersey. I watch all your podcasts, and I have your 500-plus page great book. Well, thank you, Jim. I do still have to set up updates. I recently listened again to C-Care Podcast, and I had a few minor questions. Number one, how big did you say the FBIQ targets are? that are used for C-care qualification. So you want to know the size? Okay, they're about 20 inches by 32 inches. And they have the shape of kind of the upper torso of a person and a head. And 
that's their size. And of course, um, that's a decent size, you know, quasi person size target. And let's face it, if you're going to defend yourself, most likely you're going to be shooting a person, folks. I mean, it is possible that you may have to defend yourself against an animal. And of course, you know, there's always that great debate as to what's better, a 9 millimeter or a 45. I mean, how many times do we have to read that in a gun magazine? And a matter of fact, as I recall, they did the uh, gelatin tests on 45 versus 9 millimeter. And they say that in the gelatin tests, the 9 millimeter is actually better. So, when we are attacked by the gelatin monsters from outer space, I highly recommend the 9 millimeter. Okay? But anyway, going back to the size and what a Q target is, that is uh, what we're talking about. And under sea care, that's the target you're going to be shooting into and qualifying. Then Jim asks, I assume for holster draw, you bring your own holster. Well, you can bring your own holster, and you want to have a holster that meets the qualifications of proper holster in New Jersey, which it covers the uh, frame of the firearm and, most importantly, the trigger of the firearm and can covers it completely so that the holster meets the statutory regulation and you can bring your own holster or ranges can supply you with their holster you can even go to a range and rent a gun and have them give you a holster that qualifies and you can do your sea care in even that manner so that's not a problem but yes you can bring your own or not then Jim asked, the range that I use does not permit holstered draw and shooting. Is that unusual? What is the we shoot range policy since I want to practice for the qualification? Well, here's the deal. If your range doesn't allow holster draw and shooting, then how are you ever going to qualify with seat care there? You're not. And when you go to we shoot, we shoot has specific training. They can get you your sea care qualification. Of course, you will draw and fire from a holster there because that's the only way you can pass sea care because that is one of the requirements. Now, the requirements when you shoot from holster draw, it's not quick draw, far from it. There's no timing with sea care. You take your time. You draw from the holster carefully. You put it back in the holster carefully. There is no rushing. There is no time pressure. Don't place that on yourself. This isn't fast draw west, you know, western shootout stuff. This is just being able to safely draw and reholster your gun. And you do so with care and deliberation and it's important that you go to a range where you can qualify and in fact shoot the sea care course and we shoot does that that's where i qualified that's where my brother qualified it's where my son qualified that's where i can say personally it's a fantastic place and it is a pleasure to shoot there. 
and to belong there. They treat everyone like family. I'm not just saying that. Everyone that goes there raves about it. They love them. They are a great range. They're located in Lakewood, New Jersey, right off the parkway, so convenient. Check out We Shoot. Go to We Shoot. Don't go to some range where you can't get qualified, where you can't get your carry and other training that you need and want. We Shoot will meet your needs, and they'll bend over backwards for you. So you can check out WeShootUSA.com. That's their website. They have beautiful photography. They pride themselves in their photography. They have all kinds of cool events and neat stuff that they do. You'll see. You'll really love We Shoot. And finally, the question is, how long is a CC permit good for? Is it requal, renewal, or rubber stamp renewal? And for that, it is good for two years. And your requal or qualification, if you put in for a renewal and your CCAR qualification is uh, less than two years old, then it's good for your renewal as well. And it's not, quote, a rubber stamp, of course. It never is in Jersey. But as far as the qualification and your signed-off certification, that is good for what can get you at least two permits in a two-year cycle because you're going to reapply prior to the expiration of your other uh, original. So you'll be within that two-year frame. And then finally, Jim asks, thanks, and what's a good number for you if I ever need it? And I'll tell you what, if you need my number, it's 732-389-8888. That's the law office number, man. You can call 732-389-8888. And you can also go to my website at evannappen.com. And you'll see the uh, contact info there, phone number, etc. And you can also use the email contact form on the website. That's a popular way to get in touch these days. But whatever works for you. So, Jim, thank you so much for your letter. And I have a question here that is um, one I frequently encounter, and it is a good one. And it says, this is from Michael. Michael says, hey there. So I have a valid PTC in New Jersey, and I'm also a truck driver with a Class A CDL. I'm looking to find out if I can carry in my truck while working. I am looking only at carrying in the state of New Jersey, not other states. I can't seem to find solid guidance from the FMCSA or DOT or the state police. I believe I'm okay if I stay in the state. But can you clarify, please? Thank you. Yes, I can clarify. So the question is, can truck drivers carry guns? And the federal regulations on it, which is the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, the FMCSA. Uh, They oversee all the regulations that govern commercial drivers, right? 
there is no explicit prohibition on truck drivers from carrying guns under the federal rules. So that is not really the issue at all. The issue is the jurisdiction that you're in and its rules when carrying a gun. Now your question is what about in New Jersey? Well, in New Jersey, you can carry a gun in a motor vehicle. And there was originally a prohibition on that as a sensitive place. But thanks to the litigation of the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, in challenging the carry killer bill, which imposed the ban on carrying in motor vehicles, what we uh, called the carjacker protection law, that has been enjoined by the court and is not enforceable. So you can carry in New Jersey in a motor vehicle with a New Jersey carry permit concealed, loaded on your person. And the fact that you're a commercial driver, as far as federal law and state law goes, that's not a problem. And the vehicle sensitive place is enjoined. So that's not a problem. But if you do cross state lines and you're subject to that jurisdiction's laws for carry, and that's important, and all other rules apply. So you can protect yourself. Now, if you are working, your employer may have rules. And if your employer says part of the job is no carrying guns, well, that's not state law. That's not federal law. That's your agreement, if you will, by working for this employer. And if you violate those rules, then you can be fired, you see. So there's no protection or preemption to exercise your Second Amendment rights when it comes to the work environment. There, the company, your boss, etc., they can have their rules, and if you don't like their rules, then don't work for them. But as far as the law is concerned, you're okay. And look at this. I have a question here from Ken. And Ken says, I have the 25th anniversary book and I'm a subscriber. Well, that's good, Ken. I looked in the book and it only addresses out-of-state purchases for pistol and rifle ammo. Can I purchase shotgun ammo out-of-state like through Midway USA? And the answer to that is yes, because New Jersey's law on ammunition purchase only applies to handgun ammo or ammo that can be used in a handgun. So certain rifle ammo can be used in a handgun. And under New Jersey's handgun ammunition there has to be an electronic registration database that the seller has to do, and the online sellers aren't registered through New Jersey to do the New Jersey process. So that New Jersey law is not being followed by them, and you could be dragged into that mess, which I'm sure you'd like to avoid. But shotgun ammo, with the exception of 410 shot shells, is not handgun ammo. It isn't. It's shotgun ammo, and shotgun ammo is not regulated by the New Jersey statute. So if the online seller wishes to sell you shotgun ammo and it's not handgun ammo, then that is okay. 
that's not covered by NJS 2C 58.3.3, which is where we find the heavy regulation on handgun ammo and the handgun registration, handgun ammunition registration law, where you have to be essentially uh, put into a database in New Jersey because you purchased handgun ammunition. Hey, folks, this week's GoFu, this is an important one, as they all are, of course, but this one is real clear. Make sure when you transport your firearms in cases that you have those gun cases covered. Plain view of a gun case is probable cause for a search. If there's plain view of your lockbox for your gun, plain view of your long gun transport case, plain view of that gun case, if it's not covered or in the trunk so it's not in plain view, then you are opening up yourself for gun problems. And I get case after case of individuals who are now having to be defended because their gun case was in view. So when you transport your firearm, if you have like an SUV, cover your guns with a blanket, with a covering. If you have a vehicle, a sedan with a trunk, carry it in the trunk. And let me just say, even beyond guns, I always have a moving blanket in the back of my vehicle. You can go there to any of these uh, you know, hardware stores, Harbor Freight. they got reasonable moving blankets. They're great. And cover, get a dark color, and cover anything you're transporting in the back of your vehicle. You don't want anything there, whether it's guns or not, to be a temptation for a break-in or a theft. My uncle, who was chief of detectives in Atlantic County years ago, taught me that. Always cover your load. Always cover what you're transporting, regardless of what it is. Now, just because I happen to come from a family of bootleggers, I don't know what that means, but hey, cover what you're transporting, folks especially when it comes to guns. Don't have a go-foo on that. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.